Hello, and welcome to Horrific Tales. In this show we celebrate the creation of independent authors and aspiring writers. Please like and subscribe and share these episodes, so we can help our talented friends get as much exposure as possible. We would also appreciate if you could support our artists by following them on their individual platforms and by purchasing their works. Details on how to do this are in the episode description. In this horrific tale, a young suitor finds he may have bitten off more than he can chew as he dates an immortal. Join us now as we present Angel Without Mercy by Eugene McLean. It seems like it was yesterday, not the better part of a century ago. I went to celebrate my birthday at a bar that had a bad reputation. I'd busted my ass all day long in the mill yard and I needed to get stinking drunk. That is where I met the girl that would change everything. Now my spirit, like hundreds of others before me, wanders forever in the night world that fades her immortality. Part 1. The Letter As Howard Grant put the last few turns to the bolt that was securely intended to the truck cab, the thing in his head grumbled. Raising a metal pole in the air at night during a rainstorm, how stupid is this? Shut the hell up, asshole! He snapped back. From inside the cab, a girl child's voice asked, Are you talking to me? No, mistress. Well, that's a good thing. I'd hate to start off my visit by kicking your ass. I appreciate the consideration, ma'am. The big man in the rain slicker and broad-bimmed cowboy hat began turning knobs on the radio receiver until the beacon signal was coming in strongest. Once that was accomplished, with the agility that bellied his six-foot-four-inch physical stature, Howard jumped down from the bed of the brand-new 1954 Ford cargo truck and stood at the driver's side door. Through the slightly open window, he heard the passenger speak in an exasperated tone. Do you want to hear the letters Eddie sent me or not? Yes, ma'am. Do you mind if I smoke? As Grant tilted his head to keep the rain from extinguishing one of the few human pleasures he still allowed, the teen girl spoke. You know you wouldn't have to be standing out there in the rain if you gave up that nasty habit. What's the use in having an artificially extended life if you don't engage in a few nasty habits along the way? If you do decide to give it up, I can't help you with that. I appreciate the offer, miss, but I think I'll pass for now. Leaning forward so that the pale yellow light from the street lamp illuminated the letter in her lap, the girl grumbled. Suit yourself. Then she started to read aloud. Dearest Marilee, let me first apologise for my behaviour last night. A true gentleman would not have forced his attention on you like that. I have thought about what you and I talked about, and I want you to know that your condition does not matter to me. I read Howard's medical books, and understand more about it. Even though I may not have a complete lifetime to be together with you, I love you, Marilee Victoria Anderson, and I will treasure any amount of time we can have together. Every moment spent with you means more to me than life itself, and is more than I deserve. Whatever you decide, my heart will always be yours. Mr. Howard said that you wouldn't like roses, so I sent Gardenia flowers instead. All my love forever. Edwin Andrew Hill. Howard slightly nodded his head, let the rain pool in his hat pour off the brim before saying, That's a fine young man that loves you. He really does not deserve the rotten hand he's been dealt. Are you thinking of doing something about his situation? That is what this call I'm having with fathers about tonight. What time is it? It's 8.30. That means it's 2.30 in Scotland. Is the telephone working properly? It has a full charge and a strong signal, so it should be good to go. Marilee sat back in her seat, smiled and placed the correspondence on top of the flowers that had wilted as soon as she touched them. Even if she wasn't directly in contact, 
just in her presence, they would soon be nothing but dust. So she picked up the more resilient school picture of Evan Hale, that had accompanied the flowers in the letter. The tall, lanky boy in the black and white photograph had lovingly drawn a heart on the back, then entwined with the letters E-H plus M-A beside it. Closing her eyes and breathing deeply, merely allowed the past events referenced by Evan flowing into her mind. Part 2 The Attic Evan looks up from the calendar he's holding, and he hears a soft tapping outside the open attic window. Emitting a deep sigh, he sees that it's only a leaf trapped in the spider's web, moving in the breeze created by the day's hot air, leaving his grim prison. Happy 15th birthday, Evan Andrew Hale, he says sadly to himself, as he tosses the thin ream of paper onto the floor next to him. I was just getting ready to say that myself. Marley Anderson says as she moves out of the shadows and assumes a squatting position on the tree branch that is seemingly too small to hold her weight, just outside the window. Can I come in? Well certainly you can come in, Miss Marley. If I had known you were going to show up tonight, I would have had some champagne sent up from the wine cellar. Giggling softly, the girl grins broadly and says, Well then, cake and milk will just have to do for now. Handing off the celebratory treats to Edwin, Marley slips effortlessly off the branch she was on and through the narrow window. There now stands in front of Edwin, a teenage girl, about the same age as he. Long, charcoal black and wavy hair framed her face, ending 68 inches below her shoulders. The wide and dark wings that were her eyebrows accentuated the paleness of her complexion. The flame from a flickering candle on the cake danced in her hazel eyes. A petite round nose sat above an elegant bow-shaped mouth that lifted slightly at the corners. It was a face that suggested a kind of mask, hiding some underlying mystery. All of this was barely balancing itself atop a long and narrow neck. The exposed parts of the rest of her body appeared unhealthily pale and thin. A loose, white blouse was tied in a granny knot above a scandalously bare midriff and faded dungarees rolled up at the ankles, which revealed her bare feet. Evan Hale looked like he desperately needed to be hugged, and Marley quickly but gently did so. Even with the lightest touch, the miserable boy winced and partially pulled away when the raised welts on his back were contacted. Marley's eyes opened wide, and with her left hand still on his unharmed shoulder, pulled at his side towards her. Let me see. She whispered when there was resistance. Nah, it's okay. It is not okay. Let me see. Hesitantly, Evan did as he was told to do. He cringed as the back of his shirt pulled away from a scab. Don't do it that way, the girl virtually shouted, as she moved to place herself behind Hill. Unbutton it from the front, and I'll lift it off. Are you trying to see me naked? Edwin joked, almost inaudibly. Marley forced a smile as she said, I wouldn't ask you to take your clothes off if that's what I wanted. I would just rip them off you. I really believe you would do that, Miss Anderson. The shock of the dreadful, deep belt buckle shaped gouges revealed when she lifted the shirt away silence that he playful return Marley wanted to make. Instead, what Evan heard was a frightening, deep, almost male sounding voice asking, Who did this to you? An ice cold hand pressed against the side of his cheek. The red hill from turning round to see what had entered the room behind him. Are you okay, Marley? The sweet, lilting voice, tinged with a Mississippi Delta accent, responded, I'm alright, Eddie. Please answer the question. I think you know who did it. Hale spoke as he admitted a tortured sigh. Penny said she'd been hearing Mother's voice coming from behind the door the father had Bobby put a heavy lock on, so I was trying to pick it to see what was going on in there and got caught. After what seemed like a painful minute of silence, Marley lifted up and spoke softly into the ear, surrounded by chocolate-coloured curls. I have a salve that should help ease the pain and heal it. Do you want me to do that? You have something like that with you? When you have my condition, you have to be preferred for just about anything. Will it hurt like mercurochrome? Don't be such a sissy. Yes or no? Yeah, sure. Edwin felt the gashes tingling. 
Miss Marley took a single finger and applied a thick, dark, almost black fluid oozing from where she had bitten her palm. When she had finished, the girl moved around to sit in front of Edwin. As he looks up and blissfully smiles at her, he whispers, Thank you. I feel so much better now. He then moves closer to Marley's face while asking, Can I kiss you? Eyes wide with surprise, Marley backs away a few inches. Then, casting her eyes downward, as if she saw something crawl across the attic floor, the subject of the romantic declaration hesitantly responded, I would like that, Eddie, but that may be a problem. Feeling as if he had been stabbed in the heart by what the girl of his dreams had just said, Edwin stuttered in dismay. Why would the fact I have these feelings for you be a problem? Marley turned her head just enough to look through the window behind Hale. It seemed that she was searching the reddening sir sky for an answer. You can't be the way you would want us to be. The disorder I am burdened with would make that kind of relationship impossible. Turning back to look the disappointed boy in his eyes, a gentle expression of compassion moves across her face. Her mind is pounded by her heart to just this once relieve the aching loneliness within it. Then, Marley decides that she is too tired to fight her warring emotions at this time and place. Leaning forward, she closes her eyes and slightly puckers her mouth. Edwin Hale also closes his eyes and empties his entire being into the almost cold, soft lips that responded by hesitantly caressing his own. When he felt the warmth of the sun's light on his back, he opened his eyes to see that hours had passed. It was the middle of the morning, and Marley was gone. All that remained was the sweet, rusted iron taste of blood in his mouth. Part 3 The Phone Call The metallic hammering of the phone cracks and abruptly brings Marilee back to the present. Wrapping a few strands of her hair behind her ear, she picks up the receiver and places it to the side of her head. Hello? Father? The sound of thousands of whispered pleadings and sad crying crawl through the wires, only to be silenced by a deep, sharp-edged voice. What are these attentions that young Mr. Hale forced upon you? He kissed me, and that is all. An animalistic hissing caused Marley to put a little distance between the receiver and her ear. Really is okay. Nothing for you to worry about. You kindly leave it to me, and to what I worry about. Yes, sir. The man on the other end of the conversation took a deep breath, and with a much more conciliatory tone said, I have not frequently told you what to do or how to conduct yourself, and I will not start now. However, I do have some words of caution for you. What might those words be, sir? These kinds of relationships rarely work out well. What if Edwin finds the reality of who you are conflicts with his own sensibilities? What then? What if he rejects you? Or, if he does accept you, what if he has unrealistic notions about what it is like to be one of us and wants to join the family? And tend to let Eddie know how things are from the very beginning and just what the rules are. After a deep sigh, the man says in a hushed, conspiratorial tone, You are aware of the scrutiny that you're under right now. The council will not be merciful if you cause them any problems. Are you prepared to accept the consequences of any decisions you make in this matter? He takes off his hat and slicker, and moves to place himself in the driver's seat. While doing that, he says loud enough for the person on the other end of the call to hear, We're starting to lose the signal, mistress. With a smile and sideways glance at her minion, Marley interrupts the flow of conversation. I have to go soon. Have you heard one single word I've said to you? Yes, I have. I will not take this lightly. Very well. Just one more thing before you go. Are you willing to risk a fate worse than death for this love? It has been so long, father. How can I not risk it? Besides, my heart knows that what I share with Eddie is more powerful than anything the council could throw at us. It is the curse of youth to have an image of what love can do that has little to no basis in reality. I hope to change your mind on that. I promise I will be more careful than usual. Goodbye, father. Goodbye, my darling. Are you hungry, miss? 
asks Howard when she reaches over to shut the power off from the latest communication technology. With her stomach rumbling loudly, Marilee answers, What do you think? Dominic's is just up the road here. You want to check and see what's on the menu? Yes, let's do that. Part 4. Dominic's Bar and Grill As Howard stepped through the front door of Dominic's Bar and Grill, a flash of memory reminded him of the first time he entered this establishment over 12 years ago. It had changed the entire course of his life. The Creole band had been replaced by a jukebox, but that was the only change that had been made. Benny was still behind the bar and automatically poured a full shot of whiskey as soon as he saw the pair enter through the front door. Upon seating himself on the bar stool, another customer sitting next to Howard looked over his shoulder and watched his merrily pass her hand over the selections on the jukebox. Up there, little gal you with is a bit too young to be in here, don't you think? Howard looks up at Benny, who turns to the man and says with a strong Cajun accent, Ona sister, she can do anything she want. Merrily pauses her hand over her selection and the music starts playing. Everyone turns to watch Merrily slowly swaying. A short, stocky man, wearing a plaid shirt and denim jeans, stuffed into his high top rubber boots, gets drunkenly up from the table and approaches the girl. After talking to her for several minutes, Merrily laughs and takes a man by the hand. They lead him through an office door. Howard looks down at his watch, swigs down the last of his drink, nods at Benny and heads out the front door. Once inside Dominic's office, Mary walks up to and stands in front of the large mahogany desk. When her victim places his head tenderly on her shoulder, she responds by turning around and looking up at him. The sudden change in her features causes her prey to step back in shock, but just as suddenly any thought of fleeing leaves his mind. His whole mental process begins to be absorbed into the black marbles that have become Marilee's eyes. Howard, meanwhile, has taken the last drag on another cigarette when he hears something heavy being roughly deposited into one of the wooden crates in the back of the truck and tosses the butt away. Approaching the open bed of the vehicle, Howard notices a familiar boot of foot propping open the lid in one of the crates, stenciled with Titus Funerary Supplies. He pushes the foot into the crate and closes the lid. After reaching down and lifting the heel gate and then latching it, Howard turns towards the cab. As he opens the driver's door, he looks over at Marilee, who is leaning over with her elbows on her knees and face in her hands. Something wrong, miss? He asks her, showing genuine concern. Marilee lifts her face, and the copious amounts of blood she has around her mouth causes Howard to take a handkerchief out of his back pocket. After wiping the rain still in his window with it, he presents his saturated cloth to the vampires. Marilee swiftly scrubs her face with an angry vigour that would have caused the living girl serious discomfort. Father was right. What was I thinking? This is so totally unfair to Eddie. I've been thinking about that, and I, I want to throw this idea out there. What is it? Back in my day, a young man that wanted to court a young lady would present this petition to her parents. With raised eyebrows of incredulity, Merrily asked loudly, Are you suggesting that I take Eddie to meet father? Yes, ma'am. There was a seemingly hour-long silence before Merrily broke it by saying, I didn't know you were such an incurable romantic, Dr. Grant. I'd like to consider it as inspired. Shall I put the idea to Eben next time I see him? It's getting late. I'll think about it on the way home and then let you know. Part 5 The Letter Number 2 Dearest Marilee, I talked with Mr. Hard, and he told me that your real parents passed away a long time ago, and that a man named Draslov Verana is your adopted father. My mother is also from Prague. I would respectfully request to meet your father. I feel that it is disrespectful for me to load all this on your beautiful shoulders. As a gentleman, I would like to ask Mr. Verana's permission to see you in a manner of courtship. I know this is a lot to throw at you, and hope I don't scare you away. Hard has made arrangements for me to have a haircut. Proper suit, shoes and tie to wear in case my wishes are granted. You will not be embarrassed by me at all, I assure you. I anxiously await your decision. 
All My Love Forever, Edwin Andrew Hill. Grant had just finished rereading Edwin's letter when he heard the familiar sound of small feet padding gently across the floor behind him. My, but you are a burly. The sun has just gone down. Don't talk so loud, Merrily grumbled. I have breakfast ready if you want a little something before you and Master Vrana go to meet with Eddie. Howard turned around to present the evening's repast to the young lady that was heading towards the bathroom across the hall. The vampirist turned to glare angrily at her servant. Just keep it warm for now. Then, casting a disgusted glance towards the body at Howard's feet, she growled. And get rid of that before I come back in here. I don't need to be reminded of what you call my condition so damn early. As the bathroom door closed with a soft thud and the shower started hissing, Howard looked down at the deceased donor on the kitchen floor. Oh, young Mr. Hale, you have no idea of what you're getting yourself into. Forever may be longer than you think. that you enjoyed our latest horrific tale. If you want to keep up to date with the future episodes, then subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow our social media pages. You can also give the channel support by visiting our merchandise store and picking up some of our items. Please also take a moment to support our contributing artists who very kindly lend their talents to the show. Check out the links in the description how you can do this. Well, that just leaves me to say, until next time my friends, keep it creepy, keep it. Horrific.